contrast ratios is recorded and produced at Get-A-Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada, in association with Get-A-Grip Management in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Get-A-Grip on Lighting podcast. It is financially supported by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, and special thanks go to its members, the Board of Directors, and its President, Matthew Thiesing. If you own or work at a lighting distribution company, Nailed is your association. We are committed to the interests and prosperity of the independent lighting distributor. Through our distributor-specific suite of lighting specialist educational programs, conventions, events, industry committees, and more, Nailed is your place to learn and serve the industry that has provided so much to all of us. Go to naild.org. Get educated. Get associated. And now, here are John and Edward. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Contrast Ratios, the lighting industry's new home for awkward conversations. It's 2021, and there's a lot of stuff out there that is hot under the collar. This podcast is going to be the relief valve for these sorts of healthy conversations that we have got to be having. My name is John Arthur Wilson, and I am joined with my podcast partner, Mr. Edward Bartholomew. Edward, how you doing, everyone? John? Just, hey. Yeah, how do we get here, man? How, what, what is how going on? How do we get on? here? First, I want to say thank everyone for listening in. And, and uh, John, I have to say, awkward conversations, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, awkward conversations like, um, like some of the ones you and I have been discussing on the sidelines here. <laughs> um, I mean, I love it. There was just a piece in the IES magazine that referenced, uh, I think the title was something like, The More Things Stay the Same, The More Things Stay mm-hmm. the Same. Or that was the essence Alex of it. Baker. I just summarized it in a line. Yes, yes. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, I think there's no shortage to these awkward conversations. Mm-hmm. I think when you start looking under rocks, not, and look, not all of them are awkward, man, but they feel good to talk about. And uh, shoot, I know in the short time that, you know, I, I, I've learned a lot uh, in, in, you know, while I've been kicking over some rocks or having rocks uh, kicked mm-hmm. at me sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. Um, in contrast ratios, I, 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 that, that name resonates a lot with me. And I think one of the things that works for me is that you, you can do as much as you can with light. But if you don't have contrast, you're not seeing diddly. You're not seeing the information you need to see. And I think that is what I hope will happen with this podcast, is that by our conversations, we will hopefully bring a, a, a contrast so that people can see the outlines, can understand some of the issues, and or maybe go explore the issues even further and say, I did not know about that. Let's look into that. So I hope that through contrast ratios, we, we bring greater visibility to some of these issues. So, and hey, who are we? I'll tell you, who are I, we, John? <laughs> well, I'll I, I tell you, I mean, I want to talk about that. Who are we? Who are we as an industry? Or who, who do we want to be, right? What do we not want to be mm. is sometimes an mm. easier place to start that conversation. Um, I'll tell you this. It's funny, man. When we picked, when, when contrast ratios came out as the title, uh, you know, I, I was like, man, that sounds like me and Edward got paired on the feel good buddy cop drama that America needs right now. <laughs> Are we the feel good, you know, the, the uh, white detective and the black detective and, you know, Edward's getting a new partner, but he doesn't want a new partner, uh, you know, and, and then getting too you know, old I got, shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, listen, what genuinely made me excited about it is I was like, uh, number one, everybody loves a feel good movie. At first, I was like, that's a little, you know, uh, feel, feels like a buddy cop film. But then I was like, man, number one, that's a place that makes people comfortable. 
And you got to be comfortable just to listen to some of these conversations, right? And, and so that's kind of one of the cool things about podcasts is that you get to be a part of the conversation. You get to listen in on the conversation. Mm. Um, and when you're talking about when it's, when it's awkward conversations sometimes, uh, you know, people get heated. It's easier. What we see in social media, the way people throw stuff up, the way that dialogue happens, mm -hmm. uh, that's something I have a visceral you know, reaction against what, you know, why I have a pretty minimal uh, online footprint. But I love this idea of, hey, let's dedicate 30, 40 minutes and let's talk about a topic that, you know, let's bring some guests on and let's talk about some stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, represent a lot of points of view and disagree with each other in the process. So it's a safe space for having these type of conversations. I love it. So let's, let's tell the folks who we are. Uh, you go ahead. Yeah, well, my name is John Wilson. I mentioned that. Um, shoot, 15 years doing utility and lighting work. I just recently left the public sector, started my own business. It's been a phenomenal year. And uh, man, I'll tell you, Edward, it was one of those things. You know, I put it up. I was just like, universe, help me pick a path because I'm not good at picking one for myself. I say yes to everything, you know? And uh, man, it was awesome. It was like, uh, I got this utility background, but man, the lighting, all my lighting connections came out, you know, it was incredible. The show of support I got, and next thing I knew, all my business was coming from the lighting industry or working for utilities specifically to engage with the lighting industry. It was awesome, man. So I don't want to say, I don't want to say born again, but it definitely felt like a cool, renewed sense of purpose, um, kind of as I shift, mm -hmm. as I shift in. So I, I, my company's called Fernhill Shopworks, working here out of Portland, Oregon primarily doing market research stuff, uh, market research and strategy 110 work. degrees there today? 100, brother, don't even get me started on that's this. I, I, at some point, climate change and lighting, there's an intersection and we're gonna explore it. How can we not? We but yeah, folks, yeah, the yeah. heat dome, the heat dome is back. Um, hey, that's me. I think, I think uh, uh, there's gonna be a lot of character development revealed along the way. So Edward, let, let, me, let, let me kick it back to you, man. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 why don't you share a little bit about yourself to our guests? And then I got, I want to share a little bit of one of the last times, you know, before you and I were talking, when somebody brought your name up to me and I was like, oh yeah, I know Edward, uh, <laughs> but you tell, you tell the folks who you are. So, um, Edward Bartholomew, I've been in the industry about 30 years. I have some very good friends, um, in the industry. I started off, um, in lighting design and, um, uh, prior to where I'm at today, I actually was also working at a utility. And um, there I was trying to develop programs for lighting and energy efficiency. I thought, you know, with my lighting background, I could help influence that through the utility. Um, yeah, it was mixed results. So, um, but again, amazing community around, um, around rebates and around utilities. I love those folks. And so, Right now, I am doing a lot of, I call it teaching. I'm going to be teaching at Morgan State and also uh, looking at other opportunities to teach as well. Um, speaking, I'm speaking with my good friend Mark Loeffler at Light, Light Fair coming up um, and, and really advocating um, with some really good friends um, regarding getting more diversity within our industry. What does that look like? And that is actually how this podcast came about was really talking to the good folks at Get a Grip and 
exploring uh, the conversation around diversity and how that conversation went. And they felt, they felt that it would be nice to have me on with John to continue some of those conversations, but also explore more. So I just want to uh, rest assured, this, this podcast will not be exclusively about diversity, even though it's an important issue for me. Um, we will be covering the range, and I'm excited about some of the topics and friends that I get to bring on and talk to, and as well as talking with John about these hot topics. So that yeah, is yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to outline we're going to outline some of those. And uh, and thanks for reminding me, we would be remiss not to thank uh, the folks at Nailed, uh, our friends at Get a Grip, uh, Michael and Greg. Thanks for the support. So we're excited to be here. And I want to echo that sentiment. When you and I started this conversation, um, man, you found yourself, uh, uh, whether you knew you were going there or not, all of a sudden you kind of found yourself on the hot plate on an interview talking about diversity issues. Um, I was simultaneously having a conversation with Michael saying, man, uh, if you want to tell me to be myself more on podcasts, I don't want to talk about rebates. I want to talk about real stuff that is going on in the industry. <laughs> and uh, so so kudos, kudos to him for bringing us together. Listen, I want to hit the range. I want to highlight some of these things. You said, you know, there's this whole range. It's diversity and then it's a whole lot more. So I'm, why don't you help me unpack this? We have talked, you know, about the shifting value that people put on lighting or the light, the mm -hmm. value that can mm -hmm. be easily prescribed from mm -hmm. one person. This is what I'm getting out of it. But but you've mm -hmm. described, uh, you know, this myriad of different value streams that coexist whether we choose to acknowledge them or not. So I'm talking it's not just about light levels. It's not just about energy efficiency or aesthetic beauty. Um, it's about, you know, it's health. It's all these things. Help, help unpack that for the listeners so they can understand this range. Yeah, you know, lighting doesn't doesn't exist in, in a bubble. It, it impacts a lot of different things and it is impacted by a lot of different things. It's part of society and, and absolutely how lighting is utilized by society um, is critical and it reflects the values of that society. And, um, you know, one of the things I've been um, exploring, especially in the recent talk, is looking at how lighting reinforces privilege and power. You know, if you look at any IES awards show, you're going to see basically the, the most wealthy, um, most robust budgeted projects gaining awards. And, um, and, and that conversation needs to be explored. We need to interrogate why that happens. So when we look at the different value propositions of lighting, lighting uh, enables us both sighted and also some of the hormonal uh, aspects that it triggers. All of those things are coming to light. But who gets access to those things? Who gets access yeah. to beautiful lighting? Who gets access to healthy lighting? Who gets access to, and, and this is the bottom, usually the lowest common denominator is energy efficiency. So they'll throw that everywhere. They'll, they'll, but, the, but they never add in quality. So those, those One of the things that's been add, frustrating. Yeah, school yeah, districts. Yeah, I was thinking the Boys and Girls Club. Bored. Absolutely. I was thinking yeah, the Boys absolutely. and Girls Club. You know, yeah. look, there's yeah. this. Um, How many projects you it, work it, yeah. It, it. While uh, obviously, like everybody who is listening to this podcast, I feel like uh, understands it's like axiomatic the value of energy efficiency. But energy, right. when energy efficiency is driving the bus, and, and I'm gonna tell you this too 99% of people will also say, and we know people experience this cognitive dissonance all the time, but people will also say, like, Hey, I'm about the lighting first and the energy efficiency right. 
follows. Yeah. The reality Whatever. is yeah. either yeah. either the tail is wagging the dog, or mm -hmm. you know, or actually energy efficiency in many cases has become the engine, especially where rebates are concerned. And you're right, mm -hmm. man. There's not just a disconnect at the award level. What we recognize and choose to say this was important. There's a disconnect. It's in the practice. It's in the whole. Yeah, I mean, all the way around. Absolutely. It's 360, man. Mm -hmm. It's 360. And Absolutely. Those, and, and it's interesting. This is a conversation that we can have later on. I mean, we uh, we need we need a proper guest uh, to represent this point and to help. Oh, we'll have disagree somebody. with me. We got a couple books. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, the runaway train between what utility interests are in achieving a target, you know, a, a regulated enabled, target. Enabled through, you know, the you know the quality products list, you know. Yeah. It's so, and, you know, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to unpack that. We're going to unpack that. Hey, look, all right, look. What, what is, what should an award look like if, if we're going to, if we're going to recognize, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, if we're not recognizing beautiful lighting, what are we recognizing? You know, it's, I um, was recently a judge on the IES um, awards panel and uh, I, I served with some wonderful other judges and and one of the things it became apparent for every submission that I saw including some of the award winners um, it was apparent that they were you know incredibly wealthy there was maybe one or two projects where you can see they were working with not only within a budget but also serving a greater public purpose not just for the elite to go to that one private office or that one luxury suite but it was actually serving a greater public purpose and and I and I feel that you know as an industry you know who pays attention to awards it's typically designers and the the, the, the higher echelon supposedly quote unquote of within the design industry but but awards also drive value what what do we value as an industry and I think for too often um, we have not really valued projects that really serve um, underserved communities um, that's, that serve a greater public va uh, need that's out there for lighting um, and that can do so in a way that's not only efficient and, and has high performance but also brings beauty and vitality to those to those communities. Now when we look at healthy lighting and things like that we immediately think oh that's going to cost some money. No one's specking my you know tunable white fixtures. I don't know why they're talking about this type of thing. Um, and granted, absolutely. People don't want to spend money on something that's kind of risky, that type of thing. But when we know that the science is confirmed, that we can increase student performance, this that alone, we can increase student performance, test performance, through positive lighting, including better, good access to quality daylighting. Why wouldn't we want to do that? So I think in many ways, We've only kind of targeted those projects that can afford us and not to those projects that really need us. And we need to reward and, and award those projects that really needed us. Yeah, instead, instead of, I mean, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of those projects, they get T-LEDs kicked into them. And then the narrative they get is that was the best return on investment. So it's an interesting, it's interesting to say there's a problem here when you got a bunch of people who think they're winning. And, it, and in and some level, they're winning based on that metric, that ROI metric. Well, they're so winning based on that metric. That's what, yeah, you just so said silly, it. You so said silly. it. Yeah. A lot of people would say that's the metric that matters. I mean, is, is it, who, who, whose job is it? Is it the lighting utilities industry? So here's what, I mean, look, uh, school districts across the country are strapped for cash, right? 
Um, and so, I mean, I'm just putting myself, if, if I'm a facility manager or if I'm that, if I'm that person with the district who manages big capital projects, um, maybe we need to bring somebody like this on as a guest to say, Hey man, mm -hmm. what is it? Is it the two and a half year or less ROI mm -hmm. that is driving this project? Mm -hmm. Or is it like, what would it take to get to this system that is benefiting learning performance? You know what I'm saying? I don't think they know, John. I don't think they know that systems out there can have that type of impact. Either they don't know, or they feel it's too much of a risky proposition to try that. So they're willing to go with a simple, easy to measure type of uh, intervention the T-LEDs, that type of thing, but they don't know that, you know, if you have a really good lighting system and a good daylighting system, you could make those students actually perform better within these schools. You could reduce behavioral problems in these schools. So you can have better outcomes overall and healthier kids who are sleeping better at night. All of those things yeah. can be enabled. Man, you know, it's, it's so funny. Um, um, ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Just yesterday, I was talking uh, with, with, with a colleague who is a lighting designer with a big architectural, big, huge architectural firm. And he shared with me um, their tech clients. He said, he said, look, the only time I'm ever doing luminaire level lighting controls, I mean, the full mm -hmm. shebang, right? He said, mm -hmm. the only time I'm doing those is um, when it is a tech client and that's in their mm -hmm. specification. They know they want it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, code's not right. driving it energy mm -hmm. savings isn't driving it right they understand the value of control and flexibility and so he says it's, and not, it's not about yeah question that's key it's not about energy at all which is you know and, control and when the client wants it right yeah one of the questions i had for him is, is I, I was saying hey when you have a common network lighting control system how often does that get value engineered down and he was like oh you know maybe 50 percent of the time now granted that's the majority of his work and projects and, and llc is a smaller piece of the pie when I said, how often do your LLC projects get VE'd? He was like, never, because if it's LLC, the client wanted it. Think about the difference between a tech client. Now, we know, hey, we know there's big money uh, in tech, right? I'm working for a few right now. Mm -hmm. propping, up, propping up the U.S. economy, people. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Keep doing it. And they're dealing with exactly some of the same problems. They want to retain those workers. They want to give those workers control of their environment because people who have control of their environment um, are typically more alert. They typically work and more productive. That's, that's the bottom line. And controls can enable that. And, and, and we all know that lighting is the most obvious type of thing you control. Um, HVAC, I love that people put in fake um, thermostats for HVAC sometimes to give people the illusion of control. Um, but they don't notice it as much because it's kind of psychological, but um, except when it's off and then they absolutely notice it. But lighting is something, one of those things that has an immediate feedback and they know that they can impact that. So I, 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 could, see, I could see how that's enabled through tech folks who spend a lot more money probably on their workers in that way. So that makes a lot of Listen, sense. Listen, in the way that tech is now leading, like, like think about the space race. Right. How it, that used to be nation states that used to be government that led that. No, it's mm -hmm. not. It's tech now. It's it's mm -hmm. it's Elon Musk. Right. It's SpaceX. It's it's um, I don't even want to oh, get into. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Where, where I'm going with this is we often I think our industry, especially if you're somebody from the utility side, you have looked at codes and standards and how to drive that stuff. But I think big tech might be the new gospel that is driving change that wasn't there mm. in the in the last sort of you know, the method of authority gets passed down 
by uh, the powers that be. I, that's an interesting thing because one of the issues they're having is how do they bring these people back to the office? Is lighting yeah. going to be a method that they could bring people back to the office? And, and I think in many ways, yeah, I think changing hey. on lighting. I just recently worked on a project and it was clear that the lighting was one of the, the dominant um, regarding, you know, regardless of all the, the furniture changes and things like that, lighting was the dominant method that they were going to use to hopefully invite more people to come back and feel safer. And now, during the age of COVID, that's even more abundant. But I think in general, the entire office space landscape is changing. It's not going back. Oh, we're not, we're not going time. back to what we were before. And so lighting can absolutely play a role in, in the creating healthier, better spaces for people to be. Um, but we're going to have to look at home. So we're going to have to look at their situation at home as well. All of those things need to be impacted. So the office is extending beyond the building itself it's really extending even into this virtual space you know yeah this is really yeah, our absolutely. office right now hey you know uh well you want to talk about the virtual space uh i just learned about the concept of a digital twin and if you're not familiar with that people just look it up on the side uh yeah, don't leave yeah. the podcast look it up later listen <laughs> edward i want to switch gears you were talking earlier about the sense of like the can you know the flexibility and control how that how that can create a comfortable environment and, and how much that matters. I want to I want to riff off that, but take it in a slightly different direction. Talking about speaking of environment, you wrote uh, an essay. I'm going to call it you. You you wrote you wrote a personal piece and you put it out on LinkedIn called "Observations of a Black Man in the Lighting Industry," and you were really writing about part your one. environment. Part one. Part one. <laughs> part one. All right. I yeah. love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So before before I ask you to talk about that, before I ask you to talk about that, I'll. I'll I want to I want to start with this. Um, since we're having awkward conversations, uh, mm -hmm. can I call you black or should I say African American? What's your preference on that? You you use black in the title, but um, mm -hmm. why did you choose to use black? I guess in the title, and can can I call you black? It, first, yes, you could definitely call me black, and it's really an interesting phenomenon. One of the things I want to do with that article is really kind of break down the fear factor and the awkwardness that people have because I, in many ways, and I acknowledge this, I am probably, for some people, their only black friend. You know, and, I'm, and I totally acknowledge that's probably what's happening. And, and in many ways, we haven't had those conversations. And um, as one of the comments under that article said, you know, I don't see you as black, I see you as my friend. Well, yeah, you don't see me then. You simply don't see me because I, that is a, who I am and, and owning that, instead of saying African-American, I, I own black, as I grew up at a time where um, black is, is beautiful, black is power. And, uh, and it was really about reclaiming our power for, for that word. And so that has a lot of legacy history to me, um, owning and claiming that I am black. And so I don't, you know, I, 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 I love, my black culture, I, I, you know, and everything about it. And I think it absolutely influences who I am as a lighting person. So I am a black lighting designer um, and that's who I am. Yeah, that's great, man. You know, so I got to, I, I got to, um, I got to share just like, you know, a little level deeper. I, I remember the mm -hmm. comment, you know, that you were sharing the, the um, I don't see you as black. And we were, I was talking with a mutual colleague of ours, good friend, mm -hmm. Rena Rasputinus. We can say her name. Hi, Rena, mm -hmm. up there in Seattle. Hi, Rena. Keep doing I your thing. You. Keep doing your, love you, Rena. Uh, 
she and I were walking to lunch. This is years ago. This is years ago. And I remember she shared. She told me that. She said, oh, man, there's some, some stuff happening on the LinkedIn. You know, I said, you know, I think we were walking to lunch. I said, it had to be a, like a year ago. It wasn't years. It was a year ago. Okay. Okay. A year. A year. Like years, okay. So yeah. things were hot. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, and she shared that with me. She kind of shared the comment. And I remember thinking in my head, um, man, that poor bastard, uh, he made a mistake in saying that. But I, I remember myself, it, I mean, as little as three to five years ago, I would like that to me felt like the progressive position so to speak that i mean that was something that like as somebody who myself is mostly you know i lie in liberal on a lot of issues or progressive on a lot of issues as a progressive person who like who like would cringe if i heard the n-bomb but i was like oh yeah that's that's the like i don't see color and then it it kind of took somebody actually telling me that to be like oh damn i get it like like blind spots you know so let me let me ask this just just before we actually get into that article because I want to talk about that that piece a little bit. Uh, I want to ask. There's like an inverse corollary here, okay? Um, so if mm -hmm, if you're mm -hmm. a black guy, um, what mm -hmm. would you call me? Am I white? Am I a white guy? Well, yeah. Well, you're you're you are a you know however you want to identify, and absolutely being the the majority culture, um, you pretty much don't have to define that, and that's. And that's a wonderful privilege that you have is that, uh, you know, the majority of the lighting industry, and I have some numbers to back this up, it's like 93% white. So actually 90, 95%, well, no, 93%, 93% white. Um, let me go, I think it's 95, but I think there's, there's abundance of Asian, um, there are very few blacks, very few Hispanic. Um, so, and, and so when we look at the totality of the industry, and you look at totality, um, it, it, yeah, it's it's a white industry. It's a white yeah. industry. And, yeah. and it is what it is. And it's been that way for years. That's what was so interesting about Alex Baker's article, the more things change, the more they, they are, more things stay the same, the more things they say the same. Um, it's, it's just the nature of what we're looking at. So we have not made any headway in having a more diverse industry that reflects the population that we serve. Yeah. And that's literally the statement that I, I gave Michael and Greg on Get a Grip. And that's what they were reading. It's like, I just want a more diverse industry. It was a pretty aspirational, innocuous statement. It wasn't even, you know, you know, it's like kind of like I love um, uh, Che, Michael Che from um, Saturday Night Live. He has a great stand up thing. He talks about, you know, we're just saying black lives matter. We're not saying they're better. We're not saying that they're superior. Just matter. That's all we're saying, and so yeah, and, and so it, it was. It was a. I think that's a an interesting thing. It's like for being a, a a white designer, you don't think about things in the way that I do. When I walk into a room, I'm typically the only black person. I can tell you from going to many utility efforts, um, I was the only black person in that room, and there's a lot of money in that room. There's a lot of opportunity in that room, and there were no other black folks in that room, and that. That I want to change. That I want to have yeah. some influence and in seeing how we could bring greater opportunity to those populations that simply are not in that room. And if it requires that I stand up, and that's why I wrote the article, if it's my voice then, and there's no one else saying it, then so be it. That is me. But now there are other folks who are going to step up and they're going to start speaking out more and more. Um, 
um, a good friend of mine who's representing the LGBTQ uh, community is stepping out. Um, women in lighting have done an amazing job in voicing their concerns, um, and we need more. So, and I think for those out there who are thinking, oh, why do we need to separate and all this stuff? We're not separating. We're celebrating, we're empowering, and we're bringing in greater diversity into this industry. And it, the industry does better when that happens. It simply does. I think, I think for, you know, no, uh, well, well, well said, well said. So, hey, let me come back to this. Uh, I do identify as white, so I can be, you know, like, 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 call me a white guy on the show. That's how I identify. Uh, in some ways, I'm like a consummate white guy. I, you know, I, I don't see you Portland, as white. Oregon. I see you as my friend. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when you say that to me, I mean, this is what you were talking about. Uh, I heard I heard this line once where, where somebody pointed out, they said that a weird thing, a really weird thing about power dynamics, power dynamics, is that people who have a, even a, just a little bit more of power don't feel the differential, but people who have a little bit less power really feel the differential. And if you don't mm -hmm. believe that, ask any second or third or fourth kid. Mm. <laughs> That's, you feel that's me? a great analogy. You feel me? That's, yeah, I feel but that's, you. I definitely but, do. But, yeah. and, and so yeah. that's, that's something for me because, I mean, I, I was like, uh, so when you say I see you as my friend, I was like, God damn, that's sweet, Edward. Thanks, man. Like, I'm in the inner circle. You know, I wasn't like, <laughs> Edward doesn't see me. I was like, of course he sees me. Uh, so, I mean, so I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad we're just setting that tone out there because I didn't want to get like four episodes in and then be like, can I call you black or like, or like start saying it feeling weird or like all of a sudden get. Like what would have happened is I would have got self-conscious five episodes in and then started saying African-American. And then, then you would have called me out. Oh, yeah. You would have had a guest on the Flipping show. It would have been a nightmare. Yeah. 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 And I, I could say that both um, are fine. And don't, these are the type of conversations. This is the type of people need to hear that because sometimes you just had to awkwardly go, what do I, how do I refer to you? I was talking about you the other day. I didn't know whether to say African-American black. How do you like to be referred to? Say that to people. Ask them have a yeah. conversation with them it's okay you, you're not Man. you know this whole woke, quote unquote woke culture you're only woke if you ask if you if you suddenly you know start having conversations with folks if you ignore folks and just you know not hey. really bring them into your circle or be vulnerable to these folks then no you're not their friend you are not their friend you are just you're not you're simply not you're hitting you're hitting the snooze button I see a lot of that. Uh, yep. You know, like another 15 minutes, maybe I'll have a chance to have this again. Hey, look, that's actually a redeeming thing is like, uh, I feel like relationships, uh, I'm going to use a golf analogy. It's the most white guy thing ever. Uh, where like every hole, there's a lot of stuff like this. Every hole you get to start over. There's a little bit of a freshness to it. And, uh, mm. you know, I think a healthy relationship has an aspect of that as well. Um, any relationship. All right, Edward. Man, we're all over the map, but I love this. This is we wanted to talk about these things. Um, the, we're we're starting to get into the range of some of the topics we're going to have. We're going to be bringing on guests who can really speak in depth to some of these topics, right? Um, yeah, where 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 else are we going to go? You know, yeah, sh share share where else we're going to take this. I think we're going to have to interrogate some of the assumptions around lighting. One of the the biggest assumptions that I think drives a lot of very poor and bad lighting is crime is prevented by lighting and i you know we're gonna have guests on who actually interrogate that and look at that and like um bring us your facts where did that study come from what are you looking at you know and 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 look look at case studies you know 
has this really worked? What are the numbers that justify this? You know, yeah. um, do certain communities get overlit because they are soon to be crime, um, you know, crime areas? Um, and how does that impact those areas? Do they feel like they're living in a crime scene? You know, do they not feel, you know, they feel watched but not seen in, in their own home? You know, how does that make people feel and how does that make people behave within those environments? So that's something I really would like to interrogate and look at. Um, you know, we have a wonderful guest on looking at even color rendering. Uh, color rendering uh, for lighting has been strictly for Caucasian skin. It's and uh, what does that look like? And, and how can we have a more universal color rate, uh, color rendering? Uh, or even if we go outside of color rendering and look at, you know, uh, TM30, and how does that, how could that reflect a greater skin tone range and make everyone look beautiful? Or can we, can we change the spectrum depending on the population that's at those places? How do we, do we target it or do we make it broader? How do we address that? So we'll yeah. have a guest on looking Man. at things like that. Hey, it feels like Philips Hue needs to partner with L'Oreal or one of these makeup companies. <laughs> that's like, we got all that's shades covered. We already Absolutely. been there. We already did the R&D. We already, you know, it's like, it's like, right. it's like uh, I mean, I'm saying that a little bit being glib, <laughs> yeah. but no, hey, that's brilliant. If that I happens, think. I want a cut of the action. Um, So we'll, well come back. Think about all the people who are doing selfies and all, all this, you know, that generation, they want to look beautiful, regardless of their skin tone. And, you know, we could dismiss it and say, oh, that's a kind of a self-conscious thing. That's the world that they're living in. That is literally how they put themselves out to the public. We need to be, we need to, to help in that world or get off, you know, get out of the way. But we, I think as our lighting expertise can come and support that, um, let's see what we can do. I want to go back. I want to go back to like lighten up neighborhoods and stuff, impoverished neighborhoods. I mean, when you were talking about that, my mind was racing to all these different, um, all these different places where that conversation might be having. I was thinking of, um, I was thinking of low income multi housing, and I was thinking about the common mm -hmm. areas. I was mm -hmm. thinking about um, uh, parking lots in those spaces, and you know how 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 the broader uh, footprint of those spaces are lit. But I was also thinking about mm -hmm. like more neighborhood broadly, especially along what I would call the sort of um, commercial streets, the main commercial strip, mm -hmm. the way they get lit up, you know, um, mm -hmm. now it's not uncommon. I feel like we, we almost used to live in a world where you had, you know, all the street lights were HPS, but mm -hmm. you would see for security lighting, you would get that uh, uh, 41 or 6,500 K sometimes just, you mm -hmm. know, gross, so bright, shining down the wall packs yep. and stuff. Now street lights have kind of gone that way, which is a little crazy. That that conversation is happening, um, right? Uh, in a major way, which is which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But just just kind of bring it back to like help help me understand. Um, is it all those levels? Is it one more than others? And and then also like, can somebody be blamed for being like this is a dangerous neighborhood? We do need to light it up, or, or like how do you mm -hmm. light up a neighborhood? If mm -hmm. if if we can say mm -hmm. in the same breath that we want women to mm -hmm. feel safe in parking lots, so we need to have mm -hmm. good light. You know, mm -hmm. if there's this one for one between lighting and safety, then what do you do in neighborhoods that do have higher crime rates uh, and are suffering from like systemic, you know, issues? You know, the, the corollary between lighting and crime has never been fully established. And and when you start interrogating some of the research on that, you really see some real gaps and you see some really gross assumptions happening with that. So. But the public, unfortunately, and intuitively, I have to say, thinks that more light 
reduces things because people are being observed. Um, unfortunately, it creates a, almost a doubling down. So you're, you're overlighting some of these, these spaces. Uh, you're lighting for property, you're lighting for crime, but you're not lighting for people. And so that people feel comfortable in those spaces. And it turns out if you light for people, if you make, if you bring more people doing more positive things within those, those areas, and that positive activity looks different for, for different cultures. Some people, it looks like, you know, playing in the playground with your kids. Some people, it looks like hanging out, you know, just shooting shit with, with your friends, stuff like that. So, so creating positive activities where um, generations of people are out there um, enjoying being out and, and enjoying each other at night um, mm -hmm. may not require overlighting those spaces or overlighting the buildings and overlighting property, but actually making people feel comfortable and, and, and safe in those spaces. Oh, yeah, spaces. yeah, yeah. Ha maybe having members of the community feel comfortable so that their outside is a bigger, is a way bigger deterrent and way more important to reclaim in the neighborhood and the streets and keep in, Absolutely. you know, reclaiming, those, like, malign reclaiming activities. Reclaiming. Um, holy smokes. Okay. Dude, and, and bringing those could... people into the conversation. It's really questioning our expertise status sometimes and bringing citizens in and talking to them um, having them educate us about their culture and their and their in their neighborhoods, and bringing some knowledge about what we know about lighting, and having that dialogue with folks instead of imposing solutions yeah. on top of them, having them be a part of those solutions and those those conversations. So many roads of uh, you know, I mean, so many roads, so 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 many paths to talk about here. Um, Edward, we we gave a pretty good. I mean, we've covered a lot here. Any other highlights we want to hit before we maybe just tease folks and encourage them to keep tuning in and supporting the show? I mean, we, we, we've got some fun stuff lined up. What, uh, am I forgetting any hot topics? No, I know that you're going to bring on, uh, you're really interested in, in really questioning uh, kind of the practice of lighting design and like, do we support institutions like prisons and, and, and places that have a disproportionate number of both black and, and minority people in them do we support uh, working on those projects and, and how do we interact with those projects that actually may be detrimental to those communities so i know you had somebody coming on well, talking hey, about that th that topic i just want to share i mean just to hit a high level what really blew me away and made me want to have that as a topic was when i said to you Hey, Edward, I found this guy and it, I, 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 he really, the, the title was really churched up. I can't remember exactly what the title was, but mm -hmm. it was basically mm -hmm. like lead designer of prisons. I mean, right. for all practical right. purposes, this guy designs prisons, uh, the lighting for prisons. But there was this like very, and listen, I'm not writing them off because I honestly, given people, we got we give, we give everybody oh, the benefit of the doubt. And absolutely. so um, absolutely. Ass yeah. assuming good intent there was a lot of really flowery language and, st and it was like a lot of positive intent. I'm going to say like, here's how we make mm -hmm. it better here. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is great. This is so important. And Edward, when I brought it to you, you weren't like, Oh yeah, these guys are totally, you were like, you, you were like, uh, I'm not working on prisons. You were like, no, no, I don't even, I don't even want to deal with that dude. You know, it was such a different reaction than mine. Uh, so that's why we're going to get to that. And there's a lot of um, architecture firms who are also making and making that pledge as well that, that they don't want to support that that prison industrial complex. They don't want to work on those type of projects. But then who gets to work on those projects? They, they yeah. tend to fall to folks who 
typically don't have the best interests of anybody except for hey. making that making you know getting getting paid 65k so, every day i'm just putting in oh one type god. of light hey oh my god you, oh my god it's the barbed yeah. wire looks yeah. the best when you hit it with that um <laughs> yep yep and, and beyond that topic i love your your, your idea about you know i'm, I'm not I'm not anti-Chinese, I'm, I'm anti-China. And really looking at the relationship, especially the lighting industry has with China, you know, who basically supplies most of our products. I think that's a brilliant there's two, topic. There's two reasons we got to talk about this, and we definitely don't got time now, but folks who have stayed this long, I'm glad you have stayed so you can hear this. There's two things that have got to be addressed in my mind. Number one is there is just a growing I mean, you, you, you kind of teed this one up. There's a growing disconnect between the dynamic, which is the lighting industry is just uh, connected on a fundamental level with China and what's happening with mm -hmm. semiconductors and components right now. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, America as a nation is in its probably most anti-China uh, sentiment pendulum swing that it's been in some mm -hmm. time. And to ignore the very real and obvious and just like we see this historically all the time this just repeats itself it isn't new to this we're not like calling mm -hmm. people out like like the good old days this didn't happen no it's always been like this when a national sentiment between two nations becomes diametrically mm -hmm. opposed uh guess what people go from being anti-china to i'm anti-chinese all right so i want to talk about that dynamic and here's the second one here's the second one that i think is really fun I say fun because I'm being glib. I'm saying fun because mm -hmm. I have fun talking with you about this stuff on the show. Uh, one of the sort of defenses I will hear sometimes from uh, white people. Hey, I know the term white people is a trigger for folks. So like for Caucasians, I don't know. Like, one of the triggers I hear for uh, Majority white people. Population. Or, uh -huh. Yeah, or, or one of the sort of defenses I'll hear made. They'll be, like, they'll be like, look, obviously racism is wrong. I'm not a racist. Obviously racism is wrong. But they'll be like, but look, look at these other countries. Everywhere in the world is racist. Everywhere in the world is racist. And, and one of the things I hear the most, because if you're white and you're trying to talk about race, it's, it's not good optics to talk about it in terms of black and white. So if you can make your racist points with white friends using Asians or like another, like Eastern Europeans would probably be the safest place. I don't know. But like then you, that way you don't have to deal with like the complexity of the historic of slavery and all that other stuff, right? You can just kind of put it in this box of like, people are fundamentally racist at some level. It's happened throughout history. Look, sure. so there is a modicum. It's like, yeah, there's a modicum of truth to that. There is a lot of racism between these cultures and racism is a historic truth that is like this just pernicious thread that stays with us in humanity. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and so Our country why was, was I founded it. by slave owners, and and we were three fifths of a person. And let's uh, just say that the foundations have been like that, and it has persisted throughout the history. And this country now, when we look at other countries, looking at col colonialism and how oppressing other folks, that's happening still, <laughs> um, to in order to extract goods and extract you know services from them and bring them here and make our stuff cheaper so that it's cheaper when we get it as consumers that is absolutely what what is occurring and continues to occur and i think this conversation around china and, and, and is brilliant and, and asia yeah. asia in general here here's here's a little anecdote i'm going to share when tariffs were being applied and stacked up against china over the last you know during the last administration and they kind of kept going up 
uh, a gentleman who I know, we know, I, oh man, how, how's business doing? He's a Korean American gentleman um, and, and, you know, American citizen, but uh, Korean origin, does business there. And he, and he was sharing, he was like, man, business is booming. Um, all this business that's leaving China is coming to Korea. And I was like, hey, number one, um, those, those jobs ain't coming to America uh, uh, for starts. I mean, that's an interesting point we can talk about. But the second thing is it's like, what really are our values? What really do we care about? Like, like what, what are we really trying to get? We want good products. We want good value. Uh, you know, there, there's just so much to, there's so much to dissect there. And they're just the, the realities of our industry. Um, you know, cheap Chinese crap. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that roll off the tongue or, um, is that, that kind of like, I'm looking at you too, Mexico. We know folks are going there. We know what's going on. So I, yeah, we're, I think, I think that's going to be a fun one to unpack. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, man, I, I think there's a great conversations and I look forward to more. Um, we're going to be bringing on guests and we're going to be interrogating them, but also it's having, as, as John says, fun and, and really kind of exploring some of these conversations. And yes, they, they'll be a little bit uncomfortable. They'll be a little bit awkward, but I think in general, they'll be enlightening as well. Hey, we want to hear from our friends. We want to hear your ideas for shows. and. Um... Yeah, thanks everyone for the support. I think that's a great place to hang it up. And Edward, look forward to the next one. Same here, bro. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Contrast Ratios is financially supported by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Go to naild.org. Get educated. Get associated.